0: Welcome to Bright Ideas, the podcast for advancement professionals who want to make
1: and demonstrate a greater impact. Sponsored by Hive Bright.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bright Ideas. This is Hive Bright's podcasting series for advancement professionals in higher education. I'm Sandra Rincon, and I'm your host for today's topic on metrics and engagement. Today, we welcome Nick Miller. Nick is Chief Executive at Bridge Group, and also partner at More Partnership, which is the UK's leading consultancy firm that supports not-for-profit organizations. Nick is a dynamic leader with expertise in government and corporate uh, relations, social mobility, alumni engagement, fundraising, and data analytics. He's a global conference speaker and fellow and research associate at the University of York. Nick, welcome and wonderful to have you join us today.
1: So Andrea, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for your time. Always good to talk to you and particularly about this important topic. And thanks to Hyde Bright for creating the um, opportunity to be here with you. Looking
0: forward Great. to it. Yeah. Well, one wonderful. We, you know, when, when you and I met back in 2013, it feels, you know, pre-COVID, everything looks like it's eons ago. <laughs> um, you were working on, on alumni relations at the University of York, and you had just published that strategy affinity. Um, paper on engaging international alumni for internationalization. And, yeah. and I was working in, in the same field at the, at the time. And, it, you know, your your document was tremendously useful. And I've had the pleasure of, of reading so much more of, of the research that you've developed on topics like alumni and corporate engagement and fundraising, but also on civic uh, service, uh, how it can improve diversity and, and that topic, which is not on this, on this topic today, but it's definitely one of the hot topics nowadays. So wonderful, wonderful that you've gone in that direction as well. Well, Nick, you know, as, as researchers, we know that it, you know, uh, we need to be very clear on how we define what we measure, right? But perhaps more importantly, how we show the impact of our programs. So, um, you know, through your research and expertise in the field, you know, you've worked extensively with engagement, with metrics on engagement, but, but also in terms of not only the outputs, but those outcomes, right? Um, so I thought, well, maybe we could start with, um, you know, how should, you know, why, why are metrics important to advancement professionals? Why do they matter?
1: Nick. Yeah, it's a great place to start, Sandra. And thanks also for the really generous um, introduction. I appreciate it. So, gosh, you've reminded me that was um, eight years ago, I think we published no. that piece <laughs> on strategic affinity. And I think if you remember, uh, the main sort of thrust of that document was saying, how do we understand the difference that we make in the profession that we serve? And I had become sort of I think colleagues would say almost obsessed during my time at the University of York with really understanding where we could focus our efforts best and make the biggest difference to our graduates, to our alumni, to our wider community and to the institution and its strategy. So let me answer your question directly then. Why would we focus on metrics? Because I suspect um, just as occasionally when I talk on this topic, some of the audience listening today will sort of roll their eyes a bit and think, gosh, that doesn't sound particularly um, exciting. I hope one thing we can do over the next sort of 20, 30 minutes is convince our audience this is one of the most exciting things that you can be involved in in your professional life. So. Sandra, here are some of the things that I think collecting those metrics enable us to do. As I mentioned a second ago, I think unless we measure, and we'll talk about this shortly um, I'm certain, engagement and the outcomes that our work delivers, it's really hard to understand and demonstrate the value of what we do. And demonstrating the value of what we do um, is deeply important for leveraging and inspiring internal support you know building the business case often when we talk to alumni relations and fundraising teams about you know what's your biggest blocker they will talk very quickly about lack of resource <laughs> and i think yeah. in my experience one of the most effective ways for inspiring additional resource sort of institutionally is to demonstrate the value of what you're you're doing of course it also provides inspiration for our alumni volunteers, the way our community engage with us, if we can say to them, here's the difference that you're making, um, that has to be the best form of stewardship, the best way to be engaging and broadening um, the community that we, we, we work with. And I think what we'll, we'll come to this shortly too, won't we? Um, also vital in understanding um, how we benchmark against our peers, how we compare with similar organizations and how we are performing and also over time what's the progress that we're making again in relation to building up that business case. But I would say the short answer Sandra to your fantastic opening question is because it will energize us in our profession to be able to demonstrate the value of what we do and also be able to say here's what we'll do less of. I think lots of alumni relations professionals I work with often feel overwhelmed by the sense of there being an infinite range of things they could be doing. I think measuring yeah. the impact of what we do helps focus um, everything.
0: I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I remember when I was starting in alumni relations, you know, we had actually uh, alumni who came to give us advice on you know, what for sort data Type of data we should collect and, and and you know they actually said well actually don't worry about collecting a, a whole bunch of items is it, you know, focus first on you know what is it that that, yeah. that is important and could show impact first and, and work on that. So definitely, definitely agree with you in there. And, and I, I, I agree that, I mean, metrics is the foundation, right? Of how we're going to be able to set a, a solid program that we can later on be able to show its, its sustainability. Precisely because we've been measuring from, you know, zero. So those yeah. who are starting now, you know, can really benefit from starting with good basics metrics to measure it. What, yeah,
1: I, I agree, Sandra. And I, I think all of those things that we've started by saying, here's what you can do with metrics. It's also helpful to sort of flip the coin and say, without them, we can't really do those things. Yeah. Um, and I, I would also, as we go into the conversation sort of footnote everything there by saying there are some things that are really valuable in the work that we do which are tricky to measure. I don't think we can reduce everything to numbers. There's qualitative aspects to this as well so I hope that might be a thread through the discussion too but um yeah a great place to start thank you
0: yeah well we'll get to that in a minute let's, let's let's just you know stay first with uh with the aspect of you know these numbers and even those basic numbers how they can help us you know create a case for support for our for our programs um so uh i know um case you know the council of uh, advancement for supportive education has been working and they've done a you know a really good um a wonderful job in supporting us in, in 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 advancement in developing matrix right to for engagement um, do is there is there an uh, an accepted framework that um people in higher education are using uh nick i mean given you know the fact that you work with a lot of different universities now in your consultancy work um do you see is there, is there something um uh, that they can, you know, that it's available, that um, is accepted as a universal, if you will, uh, framework. Um, and if it is, you know, how does that, how does that um, include, you know, the diversity of universities or uh, higher education institutions?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really <clears throat> good to have case referenced early in this discussion because they have played such an important role here. So uh, the short answer is, yes, there is a a sort of globally applicable range of metrics. So I I commend to colleagues the CASE alumni engagement metrics, which are available on the CASE website. I've played a very modest role in crafting those, but it's other colleagues who have really taken a leading leading role. So I encourage you to take a look at it. This started um, in various ways. One of the ways in which it started was in 2014. 15, a group of us um, felt that we could do with a sort of common practice here at measuring metrics so that we could compare institutions in the way I described earlier. And I would say it feels to me like there are two important layers here. One is that benchmarking globally. So I think in the latest iteration of the metrics in 2020, there were 16 different countries from which about 372 institutions submitted their metrics. So it's pretty, um, you know, truly, truly global. So some of those, I would say, sort of macro metrics are hugely helpful. You know, what do budgets look like in institutions? What feels like a sensible number of events, percentage of email addresses, etc.? This study enables you to understand what that looks like. But then I think, as we'll come to shortly, I suspect, there is the second layer of, this needs to be very bespoke to your institution and what's important to your institution. So I think the combination of those things um, is a sensible approach. The the data in the reports are disaggregated by region, size of institution, et cetera. So everybody should be able to find a relevant benchmark um, for them. Um, And it's been, yeah, it's been years of work. (laughs) And it improves, as with all these things, it improves sort of year on year as well. I I hope that's helpful.
0: It it is. I mean, I I used it and I used it also to make a case for support for, you know, when Mm. I set up the uh, International Alumni Relations Program back at the university I was working for. Um, So definitely, I I, I always encourage, you know, people to see that Use it and use it, you know, in order to and, and use the benchmarking because it, it's it's very very helpful. But I agree with you in terms of okay, there's other elements that are specific for your institution or your organization that you also need to think about. What is it, you know, in terms of the how you're engaging your alumni in specific ways that you know will help you focus those um, specific me- metrics for yours for your institution um, definitely so um, so this throws you know uh, the, to the next question of in alumni relations I mean in fundraising you know being able to measure the amount of money brought in by donors it's it's not necessarily an easier way but it's a very concrete way of showing okay what, what the team is doing, and you know the amount of, of money it's being bringing in. So, combining you know the number of staff with the amount of money that you're bringing in is it, it's clearer. While with alumni relations or alumni engagement or engagement in general, that's that's more difficult, right? Um, so we tend to measure events. We tend to measure the attendance to those events um the number of volunteers and i've always questioned whether those metrics collecting that information um to show our our you know our impact in in, in engagement do they really show and prove you know that alumni are engaged with uh, our schools that's it. that's my question to you i mean we need do we need to go more than than this number? yeah
1: <clears throat> i think you know how i'm going to answer this question yeah <laughs> I, I would kind of um just preface it by saying i think lots of what we're discussing today applies to fundraisers too i, I think fundraisers do have the advantage of being able to count the the dollars or the euros or the pounds etc but i also think there's um more support needed for fundraisers to talk about the difference that fundraising makes you know we're working with some wonderful institutions currently who, are, who have actually just come to the end of their fundraising campaigns and being able to talk about the difference fundraising has made to an institution is, is deeply important but that's a bit a bit of an aside so as, I think as it, as was implied in your question Sandra and I know I've had the great pleasure of talking with you about this a number of times My experience is, and I say this with generosity to the sector, is that we're really good at measuring how busy we are, Mm -hmm. how many volunteers have we recruited, how many events have we done, how many emails have we sent out. And sometimes, of course, not always, there are some very sophisticated practitioners in this space, sometimes the assumption is more is better. You know, and I actually think with, for example, something like events, for me, it's more like a bell curve. (laughs) You know, there's an optimum number of events and then you get to the position where the more you do, um, the less effective your program is likely to end up being. So I think we're pretty good at answering questions like how much are we spending? Uh, How many events do we have? Um, What does our alumni population sort of look like in terms of numbers and demographics? The the two questions I hope we might focus on today, as implied in your question, that we're less good at answering are, what is the level of affinity and engagement from our alumni population, number one? And secondly, what difference is our programme making to them and to our institution? And I would would sort of um, use a synonym for both those questions. The first being engagement, measuring engagement. The second is about measuring outcomes. What's the outcome of our work? So so just a very um, obvious, uh, crude example might be if we're running a programme that's encouraging our graduates to recruit students from less advantaged backgrounds because they don't tend to have social or family connections that would encourage them to university. We could measure the expenditure in that programme, the number of volunteers, the number of young people involved. Those things are all important, but actually let's measure how it's making the alumni feel as they volunteer, back to my earlier point about some of the qualitative evidence being important. But ultimately, let's measure what difference it's making. How many students are now applying to our institution inspired by that engagement who might not have otherwise done? And I think a really interesting... Sorry, Sandra, you got me excited by your question. I'll stop after this <laughs> Well, ne- next, I'll, I'll, this I'll next think, no, that's,
0: it, that's it, a fantastic example. That's a fantastic example, um, Nick, which you just gave us, uh, but... It's, it's always I mean, I, I, for me, it's easier to look at that impact in terms of, you know, the number of um, students from um, underprivileged uh, backgrounds coming into the university and apply as a consequence of the work that, you know, your, that program specifically that program is generating to measuring that feeling that, you know, the feeling that 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 I find it harder and. Um, were you were you going to touch on that or? Um, so, so I think in the,
1: in the area of measuring um, engagement, I think there are actually some pretty good models out there, and it can be quite straightforward. I mean, there are things like net promoter scores, you know, based on your yeah. volunteering. You know, would would you recommend it to a colleague or a peer? Um, yeah. I think some of this is some of this is you know um, quantitative. So measuring volunteers who come back and do more is a pretty good indication yeah. of. The yeah. fact they found joy in the experience. There are, you know, Likert scale type surveys we can share with alumni about different aspects of their experience, and then I think some of this is qualitative too. You know, um, good alumni professionals will also value the stories that come right. from alumni and students connecting in the ways that we've described, just sort of in that space. I, I think one of the really um, helpful questions to ask of colleagues in this space, and for them to ask of themselves, is. How are you reporting to your senior colleagues about the work you do? So often we work with, you know, vice chancellors, presidents, provosts, et cetera, who want to hear about the difference the programme is making to the institutional strategy as opposed to the number of events or, or volunteers. And I think that's a really helpful question to kind of frame this around as well, Sandra. What, what do you think?
0: Well, yeah, actually, that's, that was kind of the next question question, because I think it it combines a bit with the next question Um, is, you know, how, how are we um, setting up our measurable goals to also reflect the relationship that we have with our colleagues in different departments with throughout um, campus? Uh, You know, a lot of the times when i worked with international office with the career development uh, office um, admissions Mm -hmm. they see alumni as sort of okay uh, the end of the of, of the student experience and then that's not part of the institution anymore it's like okay you guys do you're out there well, we know that um, alumni can, can you know, benefit the university across the board. So I've always tried to find ways in which I can you know, set up goals and be able to measure those objectives and those goals so that it can also benefit other people. So in terms of you know, how do you report um how do you report to your top management or whatever uh it's i think it's also making that connection you know how else are you benefiting the the university not in terms of Uh, what the alumni is doing for your specific programs that you have organized under the alumni relations department, but also how is it benefiting, you know, um, the international office building Hmm. new partnerships or bringing uh, more international students or et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, what, What do you think?
1: Yeah so I think as we as we sort of walk into this topic g- good to remind ourselves that these relationships have to be reciprocal of course I mean I I'm I get very animated talking about you know the joy that often alumni experience having a positive impact on a yeah. on a young person on a student on their institutions fundraising you know the, these relationships have to be reciprocal though The alumni have to feel that joy otherwise sometimes people like me risk suggesting they're sort of um a utility <laughs> to use you know um that alumni are there to serve the institution as it were so, so let's just um, land that idea first i think this is why the focus on outcomes is so so beautiful sandra you know you can it's the difference between Going, for example, to your director of careers services and saying, you know, goodness, we've got 200 alumni who want to volunteer to be mentors. Can you help? It's the difference between that proposition and going to the director of careers and saying, talk to me about your strategy. You know, where are your pain points? What's difficult around here and how can alumni then um, help serve those those outcomes? So it might be, you know, students are finding it particularly difficult to find internships in the finance sector, for example, what a great starting point and much better to go out to alumni and say, we have thought carefully about how you can make a big difference to the lives of students on our campus. And our director of careers says, here's a wonderful way that you could be spending your time doing that rather than going out and more generally saying, please, can you help? <laughs> please, can you volunteer? We need you. You know, I think those two propositions, both to the director of careers and to alumni are quite different.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, I, 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 in my experience, talking to alumni and engaging alumni, alumni are, for me, they've always been willing to support and, and particularly support other students and other students uh, and give other students the opportunity to have maybe what they didn't have um and help them out you know where 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 they see that hey this can help and i didn't get that opportunity so you know i hope that you that you know i can i can help out um in that way so i definitely and so you know starting from you know what can be the impact right exactly, rather than yeah. you know what's it what's the fulfillment of that strategic goal
1: exactly exactly sandra brilliantly put i mean I, th- I think you know my experience is building communities requires us to inspire people to be part of a cause. You know, we want to be going out to alumni or whomever is a member of our community saying, be part of the difference we make in the world. That has to be the first paragraph before you start saying, can you donate five hours worth of your time or a thousand euros or what have you? That has to be the first paragraph, I think. And, And this is deeply relevant to the metrics because then we measure the difference the cause is making. Uh, alongside all those other things like volunteering hours, for example. that That's the message I want to hear more institutions conveying to their graduates. It's about yeah. the course. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, the thing, um, Nick, is that internally we need to balance also with, uh, at least in higher education, with academics, right? And a lot of the top management are academics and yeah. they are inspired by these stories but they also want to see numbers and and you need to be able to speak that language with them as, as well so i think it's i think it's also a combination definitely i, I totally agree with you in terms of, you know like being that storyteller with the enthusiasm and, and and the conviction you know that 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 you Uh, I've always shown Nick I totally inspiring Um, and uh, and and as well having that that um, data that is going to be able to back up um, that inspiration right Um, because at the end of the day, you know, the top management, they they will be making decisions on budgets and numbers uh, as well, Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to change that mentality, but at that top management, they need to change the mentality of, you know, um, advocating uh, exclusively numbers. But at least in my reality, I don't know how it, it is what you've seen in, in terms of consultancy, that's still a big issue. Um, you know, how, how uh, top management views uh, community building and, and alumni engagement.
1: Yeah, I think the people who do that best do it in combination, don't they? You know? which is why I did English literature as my undergraduate degree in economics (laughs) as my master's, you know, stories and spreadsheets, Sandra, that's what it's all about. But I think you have to have have both, um, I was going to say an equal measure, but that's not quite right. It depends on the audience, doesn't it? I think you have to have the numbers to sort of back up and inspire your your stories. Uh, And then, you know, which numbers you choose to use really matter as well. And I think... Um, The expertise in the sector at the moment in this space is really inspiring. The ability to turn data and analytics into insights. And that's where stories can flow. I, I think the skills in the sector historically around sort of data gathering and analysis have been quite strong, actually. What I'm seeing more of is professionals being able to translate that data into insights to help inform programs and demonstrate the impact.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think that, that our field will definitely grow in that direction, uh, uh, you know, as we use more and more of this online engagement, uh, technology will definitely facilitate that we can correlate, right? These metrics that we start collecting uh, with online engagement as well to behavior, right? Um, any ideas there in terms of, of that predictive modeling, uh, uh, Nick?
1: Yeah, I I guess there are an increasing number of institutions showing really progressive practices in this space. So predictive modelling being the discipline of understanding which members of our community are behaving in particular ways and therefore um, which other members of the community might find joy in doing similar things. So we work a lot, I think, as you know, Sandra, on supporter journeys. What's the journey, the experience someone wants to have with their institution and what are the kinds of people who typically go on that journey and on that basis are there people not engaged who look similar who can experience the same type of joy whether it's going to an event, volunteering, donating etc and I think this is where a really good example actually of where the data and analysis turns into insight. We can start to understand which audiences we might focus our efforts on for the purposes of giving them the joy of the experience of engaging with us in very Specific ways um, that requires a different level of expertise, I would say, <laughs> than you know simply producing reports from from Razor's Edge or other similar products. But um, yeah, I think the predictive modeling is where I see lots of the most progressive practice in this space.
0: Yeah, no, um, Nick. I mean, in terms of um, closing, uh, I'm going to uh, ask you to please, you know, for every episode we ask our guests to you know, share with us three bright ideas. I'm going to have to limit you to only three. <laughs> I know you're full of them. So um, just, you know, share some of your three bright ideas on this topic of of metrics and analytics.
1: Uh, it's kind of you to ask. And Sandra, we must leave space for you to share bright ideas too. You've a huge amount of expertise in this space as well. Um, I, I'm maybe sort of summarizing some of our earlier discussion. I, I would say num- number one is this principle of focusing on outcomes is you know, start at the end and work backwards, define with your team what you want to be achieving, what where you want to make impact and what that looks like, and then work backwards. How are you gonna get there and achieve those outcomes? I, I would recommend every single, especially as fingers crossed we emerge from the pandemic and are spending more time together in person. That's a wonderful exercise to, to undertake with a team uh, because ultimately alumni want to be part of a cause. They want you to be talking about outcomes and the impact of your work. I think my second bright idea probably is completely stolen from you, Sandra. Um, When you talked earlier about collaboration across the campus, I do think informing these metrics and defining those outcomes, it's a wonderful opportunity to do that in partnership with colleagues across the campus. I I referenced earlier those questions to the director of careers, engage people on their terms (laughs) and ask them what keeps them awake at night and how alumni relations can help help support um, them um, and then, thirdly, I would say, amidst all of this, keep it keep it simple. One of my concerns is when we talk about this topic, it leaves people feeling that it's more complicated than it is in practice. We need um, we need you know really competent, committed professionals in this space who can run the data, analyze it, turn it into insights. But actually, lots of what we've been discussing, I, I don't think is. Um, a huge undertaking, but the effect of it is massive on all of those things we talked about right at the start um, of the conversation. How was that, Sandra?
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I really like the, the aspect of impact and, and, and keeping it simple in order to collaborate. You know, uh, I, I um, definitely, definitely agree with you. Nick, thank you so much for your time and for sharing, you know, so many wonderful ideas and, uh, and your enthusiasm and dedication to this field. Um, anything else you would like to add, Nick, before we close?
1: No, I've talked more than I should have. So I think final words are all yours. Sandra, thanks so much for your time and to, to the audience as well.
0: Not at all, Nick, not at all. Okay, well, everyone stay healthy um, and stay tuned for the next conversation. And thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.